HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Whole Foods Market celebrates Earth Month with the Do Something Real Film Festival, a collection of six provocative character-driven films focused on food, environmental issues, and everyday people with a greater vision. Come see one of the six features at City Cinemas Village East from Saturday, April 16th through Thursday, April 21st, every night at 6 p.m. Learn more about the films and special events at www.dosomethingreal.com. That's www.dosomethingreal.com. Sponsored by Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here today with Mile End. Mile End Delicatessen, the people there with Noah Burnhamoff, Ray Cohn, and Chef Aaron Israel. So in other words, just a whole bunch of Jews in a room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's so, just eat. Yeah, we're just going to eat in Kvetch. And, we do have a lot of food. Yeah, drop, drop whatever Yiddish phrases you might want to hear. Um Right before Passover, too, which is kind of ideal for this conversation about uh, Jewish cuisine, um, starting to come back into vogue uh, outside of, you know, just the deli food. What Aaron's doing at Mile End at night is uh, tremendous for all us noshers of Ashkenazi, you know, uh, from knishes to, you know, uh, things with gribbonis and schmaltz. It was always kind of housed in these funny places in New York and around the country. Um, but first, kind of want to talk about Montreal, about Canada. Uh, Noah sure. and Ray met at McGill College while Noah was pursuing something completely different than smoked meat, and Ray was working in art. Uh, tell us a little bit about Montreal, where you lived, and where you ate there, because I think it gives a good basis of why Mile End is now in Brooklyn. Um, we, lived, <clears throat> we lived in the plateau in Mile End which are communities 
uh, downtown communities that um, kind of serve as the confluence of east and west in the city, which is kind of French and English. So that creates a, you know, breeds a, a certain culture, creativity and acceptance and, um, you know, openness. And, um, you know, it, you're just exposed to markets and um, traditional sort of cooking and traditional um, sort of ways of, of um, going about buying your food and, and making your food and the tradition of eating food at home um, is really strong. Uh, and mix that in with, you know, the, the longstanding cultures of those neighborhoods, which, um, you know, happen to be Jewish immigrants of the, you know, early part of the 20th century, and many of whom were Romanian and, and Polish. And, um, and you have this amazing, um, you know, combination hybrid of, of you know, f- moving ahead and, and forging creatively forward and uh, recognition of, you know, where the neighborhoods come from, from the past. Yeah. And wonderful smoked meat. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Schwartz's. <laughs> D- don't want to forget that. And Schwartz's, which I just recently was at and I'm going to again, um, which is what? Just a deli, per se? Or it's an institution? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a delicatessen, as, as I think delicatessens are, are done in Montreal, which is to, to be really good at um, a narrow sort of focus. You know, Schwartz's is the place to, to get smoked meat. Yeah. And, uh, Walensky's is the place to get salami, yeah. and and that's sort of how it, you know you get chopped liver at um, at Lester's. So it's it's kind of um, that's the culture, the the sort of wholesale you know um, Grand Depot of um, you know of delicatessen of Jewish food is really unknown in Montreal, and and was sort of shocking when I came to New York and kind of learned that that's really what delicatessen meant here. Yeah, so. You know, Montreal has that ability to to hone in on a, on a very specific thing and and do it really really well because less concerned about variety, more concerned about quality. Yeah. So I mean, like like you were saying, Katz's, Carnegie, Second Ave Deli kind of had this breadth, this reach uh, that was far more than the myopic uh, Montreal. Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 sort of swallowed up all the subcategories, and now it's just kind of like a. You know, at least some of them feel this way. Some of them, the the menus feel this way, but it's kind of like a cafeteria of yeah. Jewish food. I mean, were there appetizing shops like Russ and Daughters up in Montreal too? Less so. No, yeah. no. It's. I mean, there 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 was in the past, um, and those closed, and no one swallowed them up. And so, what you ended up seeing was, you know, that culture, um, not dying, but just sort of being picked up more in the in the form of like luncheonettes serving bagels and locks. But what's interesting is that the bagel stores in Montreal don't make sandwiches for yeah. you. When you walk on in, you grab a hot bagel out of the oven, and if you want to buy a side of cream cheese, you have the ability to do so. But otherwise, you're on your own. Yeah, St. Viator, Fairmont, the two most famous ones in yeah. Montreal. Um, for those of you that don't know the debate between what's better, a New York bagel or a Montreal, do you want to, one, weigh in on what you think, and two, what the real difference between um, well, the real difference is that the bagels are baked in 75-year-old wood-burning ovens. Um, you know, we could talk about the flour they use. We could talk about, you know, some people argue about the water. I mean, I think that, you know, all those things affect the, the outcome. But, but ultimately, it's the 
sort of the traditional method that's never been departed from. Yeah. Um, but New York bagels are, there are some incredible New York bagels too. So I feel like it's, it's, um, it's a false, um, dichotomy between the two. <laughs> They're See, such I, different species. Yeah. And I was waiting for Noah's lawyerly, uh, pedantics to come <laughs> out. Um, cause I want, I kind of <laughs> want to get back to, you know, Noah went to school for what? Political science? Political science. And, and, and Ray went to school yeah. for art history. Okay. Uh, but I didn't do much learning in school. <laughs> Seemingly, you did a lot uh, of eating and influencing <laughs> your you know, future. But uh, when you came back, I mean, right, you worked at the Met. Uh, you were telling me producing audio guides. Uh, it, it's funny, the similarities of how you go about educating yourselves about uh, or other people about Jewish food is kind of like those guides. Well, uh, certainly. It's all about storytelling and having a connection you know, to what you're eating, what you're looking at, what you're thinking about where it came from, how we make it. Yeah, because, you know, outside of Bubby's house, where does the kind of cuisine you serve at Mile End exist in New York? Uh, <clears throat> I think that's a tough one. Um, I think there, I know uh, Balbusta down on Mulberry Street just opened up, and the chef there, uh, she has a, she's a, a taco uh, i'm sorry she has, a, she has a falafel show yeah um <laughs> yeah and so many tacos so many tacos going to a lot of taco it's shops the, taco yeah. of the middle east so no. she's, she's got a falafel shop oh tame uh, yeah, yeah i love yeah, that stuff which yeah. which is which is great and i know that she opened up balabusta uh last year and she's uh she's exploring sort of you know the balabusta the jewish housewife uh and she's but her, her angle is more she's israeli and, and her angle is more uh coming from a mediterranean um, influence. I think for for the Eastern European food, um, it's it's a real tough one. I, I've been out to Kanishnash out on. Uh, uh, oh, it's really hard to find on Queens Boulevard. <laughs> um, they give you the address online. Yeah. And uh, I must have spent maybe a solid hour walking around, and I just couldn't find. I finally finally found it, and there was this uh, really sweet Romanian lady standing behind the counter, and uh, I went in. I think I was looking for. A really good knish, and it was a very, very yeah. good knish. But I ended up leaving with stuffed cabbage, pierogies, uh, like three different kinds of soup because she said they were all the best. Um, <laughs> and and it and it was it was it was really good. It was a real like hole in the wall place. I mean, there was like yeah. totally bare bones, um, and it was really really good home cooking. But I think that as far as um, as far as you know, restaurants, I don't. I don't know too many people who who have yet to really explore like um, Ashkenazi food, yeah. you know, in a, in a in a restaurant setting. And and there there are great delis, you know, and and they have they touch upon sort of traditional traditional deli classics, like like Noah had had said, almost like a smorgasbord of yeah. you know, like a greatest hits kind of a kind of a thing. But there's so much more, I think, I think to it, and there's a lot of a lot of ingredients that are um, that are and a lot of dishes that are just sort of being lost or, or, or that people haven't really put, aren't really putting a lot of time into sort of re-exploring. Yeah. So I'm just going to read a list of, you know, well-known Ashkenazi foods, uh, between chopped liver, gefilte fish, borscht, hala, homentaschens, rugula, schmaltz, uh, kreplach, simis, um, knish yet again, um, kasha varnishka, veal schnitzel, matzo ball soup, these are all things that you do at Mile End, but you do them to the point where in Montreal, uh, you spoke of, you know, 
knowing exactly what you're doing, focusing on that and making it great. And everything in Mile End ends up being great. It's not just this, you know, spread thin smorgasbord. Yeah. Yeah. I think, excuse me. Um, I think it's, you know, it's important to note that there is some sort of tension underlying the idea of, of us being a Montreal Jewish deli that somehow it, um, you know, to think of Montreal as this place that focuses really closely and then to, you know, put out a, a great deal of, um, variety of foods. I mean, there's a tension there, but to a large extent, I think it's more of a, a capturing of the, the, the method, the essence of what they're doing in Montreal. And that's to look at something very closely and say, okay, this is, this is something that's very important to us and, um, plays a, a major part in how we think about our culture. And, you know, we're going to put everything we have into making this the very best that we can. Um, and I think that's sort of the approach that we take at mile end is, 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 you know, things that sometimes in cookbooks are just like chop and throw in a pot and call it a day, you know, six hours later. And we're looking at that and saying, these are, uh, important dishes, but maybe there's a a different way to make them that, you know, keeps them completely consistent with, with history. But, you know, says, well, you know, what we know now is more than what we knew then. Well, I mean, and let's also, make it better. It's also taking a technique. Uh, Aaron went to art school, uh, art school in Baltimore and then came to New York uh, to work in a lot of lauded kitchens from what, a voce yeah. to, uh, uh, you know, Teresi most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is, you know, uh, a foundation there on how to cook these foods and make them better. Not to say that our grandmothers and, you know, ancestors didn't make it great, uh, but there's definitely some new techniques involved. Yeah, and there's also a lot of really great stuff, you know, going on uh, right now um, in New York, in this country, with with food and people really um, starting to discover, um, you know, just all this great produce and and or or wonderfully raised meats and and that kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, tr- you know, traditionally a lot of Ashkenazi food is you know, a lot of meat, a lot of potatoes. And here we have, you know, we have access to, you know, in the springtime, you know, beautiful ramps, yeah. asparagus. And so, you know, maybe if you were uh, in Poland, you know, um, 80 years ago, you might not really, you know, have access to that. But, you know, as as a modern uh, Jewish person living in New York now, you know, I, I think, well, you know, what, what would you know, one of my relatives who was from Poland, what would they do with that? You know, yeah. maybe, maybe they would toss it in some chicken fat, you know, yeah, asparagus yeah. And, and chicken fat. And like, c- can this be good? You know, and, and then and you start thinking about how to how to balance the flavors. And um, but there's just so much great stuff available now that I, I don't I don't see. I, I think as long as you stay true to sort of to a, to an idea um, and to, to the cer- certain concepts that, you know, you can use a lot of, you know, newer, fresher ingredients yeah. in the food. Um, I want to touch on two things. One, some of the dishes that I've had at Mile End, which have been prime examples of that, like the schmaltz radishes with gribbonus, mm-hmm. um, and also the tongue salad, the pickled tongue, I mm-hmm. mean, uh, sweet and sour tongue salad, which is, I, my grandma used to make that, and the flavor profile right there, perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was fantastic. But we keep on talking about Ashkenazi. Mm-hmm. There's also the other sect, uh, Sephardic. 
what is the biggest difference other than Ashkenazi kind of being, you know, along the Rhine from Germany down uh, to Sephardic being Middle East? What is the difference in flavors and ingredients? Uh, I think with Sephardic food, it's I think Sephardic food is so it's so widespread. I mean, you know, you can be like on the Iberian Peninsula and you have a lot of Spanish ingredients and, you know, smoked paprika and, and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, when you're you then when you get to like the Jews of of Syria and I have this wonderful book, Aromas of Aleppo. And, oh, yeah. and it, you know, it talks with the Aleppo pepper and, you know, and, and really like I think any Jewish food is it's sort of it draws off of where it where it originated from you know i mean so you know i grew up in i grew up in great neck and we have a lot of uh we have a lot of persian jews there and you know the the iranian the jews from iran you know they use they use the dried lemons they use a lot of dried fruit and you wouldn't see that necessarily in in uh you know in some in somebody who is say for a jew from morocco you know they they would probably be going with more more harissa and um so it always i think this it always reflects sort of a lo- you know a local tradition and the same thing is with with Ashkenazi food, but I think it, it's a, it was a little more, a little more limited, you know, with, you know, Poland and, and Russia and a smaller, smaller area. Yeah. Meat and potatoes, like you said, stewed <laughs> long processes. Um, it was funny that, uh, Noah actually mentioned earlier that you don't do a lot of, you know, chop up, throw and let stew, but you do serve a cholin, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we did. And, and it, it's not on the menu anymore. Cause yeah. it's, you know, thankfully it's starting to get a little warmer. Yeah. Out. That um, you have greens. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know if anybody really wants to eat a giant, uh, giant pot of beans and barley and stewed veal um, when it's when it's getting nicer out. But I think that, uh, yeah, you know, we we took an approach to that dish where um, we kept the flavors very very traditional, but instead of say using like beef, and we have a lot of <laughs> a lot of great beef on the menu at Mile End, mm-hmm. we we decided to use veal short ribs for it. Um, and uh, and inst- and we sort of broke it down and we cooked everything a little bit a little bit differently. Put it put it back together so the the beans are nicely cooked, the barley is nicely cooked, the veal is nicely cooked, and so hopefully the experience is something to evoke what you would maybe you know your grandmother's chomp. But we just try to add a little more technique to it. Yeah, I said, we're going to take a quick break and come back and maybe even read some of Maxwell House's Haggadah. Well, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go over uh, their upcoming Seder menu uh, to be premiered at a pop-up uh, by the James Beard Foundation at Chelsea Market next Tuesday. You've been listening to The Food Scene on Heritage Radio and a little uh, surprise from the lovely Feathers, Noah's old man. Oh, God. <laughs>
This is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune in to the main course Sundays at 12 p.m. with hosts Patrick Martins and Katie Kiefer. They examine issues from the interconnected worlds of agriculture, cuisine, and sustainability. They sit down with key players in the chain from producer to consumer, farmers, distributors, chefs, activists, and journalists. The main course explores every important component of the eating experience, how the farmers raise their product, the distribution channels that move the product, how the chefs prepare it, and how ethics and policy affect everyone involved. Again, that's the main course, Sundays at noon, on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here with Noah Burnamoff, Ray Cohn, and Aaron Israel of Mile and Delicatessen. I don't want to say deli because it seems like it's it's a shander to, you know, shorten it and that delicatessen has that much more context to it. But we were just listening to the lovely feathers. I was going to say the lovely, lovely feathers, but you have to have that lovely before the before. You could add as, as many lovelies ahead of feathers as you, as you wish. <laughs> Oddly, I've been told that before, but not in that context. <laughs> um, but that's another story. Maxwell House, the Haggadah. Um, it's a classic. The best. The best. I don't know how they cornered the market in Haggadahs, but they did. Um, but Passover Seder. Passover starts uh, next, next Monday. Next Monday. Wow. Creeps up. For those of you that don't know Passover, look on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to explain it. But it is, uh, what, an eight-day event uh, opened by the biggest of the satyrs and on the satyr plate there's a whole bunch of elements served to, to uh, equate themselves back to the strives of the jews in egypt aaron take it away as to what a traditional satyr plate actually has on it all right well you have uh well you have the matzah um and then you also you have the uh the karpas which is uh um it could be parsley or uh, the bitter dip, herb. The, the bitter, bitter herb. herb. Uh, you dip that in uh, in salt water. And what what do they actually relate to historically? I mean, bitter herbs were what the tears of the, the yeah. It's there's um, a salty bitter quality to the tears of the enslaved he- Hebrews. This is in some Egypt. Really tough Hebrew school stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, Making it, my parents proud of all the money they spent. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you also you have a uh, generally a, a baked egg um, or a hard boiled egg uh, would go on the go on the plate. The beitza, yes, yes, the beitza, yeah. And then uh, you have uh, lamb, which is uh, zeroa, which is uh, you know the paschal lamb, the lamb that was you, you would sacrifice. And you, you know the sto- well, we should maybe just Wikipedia the story, but uh, you know yeah. the painting of the blood on the on the door frame, uh, and then the uh, the haroset, which is. Uh, uh, supposed to represent the the mortar uh, to build the the pyramids. Did we leave any out? Horseradish. Marar. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. The horseradish. I oh. feel like we all just got barn yeah. barn yeah. right? so. It's like where are we again? Yeah. No <laughs> Is there? Yeah. With the haftorah. Or? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was actually going to hide an afikoman in here and tell you guys to find it after the show. But what's what's the prize? <laughs> 
Pizza? Pizza? (laughs) I don't know. Leaven pizza? (laughs) Leaven pizza. (laughs) Um, So you're taking this idea of a Seder plate, uh, and on next Tuesday, Mm -hmm. um, having a pop-up Seder at the Chelsea Market through the James Beard Foundation. Yeah, the the uh, they um, they uh, approached us and they they asked us to participate in it, and it's it's such a such a great honor. There's some uh, amazing chefs that have uh, quite quite long uh, credential lists uh, that are also participating in it, um, and so for them to ask us was was just really wonderful. Mitchell Davis, who's the vice president of the James Beard Foundation. Um, he's he's also he's also from Canada uh, and he's and he's Jewish and I actually uh, uh, have his cookbook. It's called The Mint Chef. And uh, oh, I thought you were going to say Kitchen Sense too, which is an epic Bible of his. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and and so he has a great a, uh, a great appreciation for for uh, for Jewish food. And he he approached us and he 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 has this space in the Chelsea Market for twenty seven days. And uh, you know Laurent Gras is the first chef. He's doing five. Five uh, five nights starting starting tonight, um, and uh, he wanted us to cook a seder for the second night of Passover, um, and it was such a, you know, when he when he said it, it was such a great honor and and I think just so exciting because yeah. you know I have such a respect for the James Beard Foundation and it's such a great forum I think you know for to for Jewish food you know and the fact that he wanted to do this like really grand seder is is I, I just think really awesome yeah uh, I think it's and we uh, he uh, he got George Robinson who's the author of um, the essential guide to Judaism he also writes for Jewish weekly which and I when I <laughs> when I saw George today he said uh, I write for Jewish weekly it's the largest uh, most widely distributed Jewish paper uh, in in North America, he said that's like being the tallest midget in a room. That <laughs> 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 was actually pretty, pretty. He's a he's a very witty, guy, yeah. witty guy. So I'm sure his seder will be full of inflections like that. Yeah, it will be uh, rather rather entertaining. Uh, so the, so there'll be a traditional seder uh, for about an hour and a half um, before that he'll be officiating, and then afterwards we're gonna we're gonna cook di- uh, a dinner and each. Uh, each course in the dinner is going to be, you know, based off of an item on the Seder plate. So um, we're going to do a pretty traditional take on gefilte fish, um, um, only not as crappy as the kid stuff we get. <laughs> yeah, you're going to still serve it in a jar. Of it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. Gonna, yeah, no, yeah, we're going to do some jarred food for it. Um, no, but we're we're gonna. So you know, we're gonna. It's going to be a, sort of a traditional take, but you know, instead of serving it with the cold jelly, which I know some people are somewhat offended by, you know, we're gonna we're, we're actually we are gonna touch into Spain and use a, a peel peel sauce, which is a, you know, which is essentially you know cold jelly that you, you know you emulsify oil into. So that is it's one so, of my favorites. So that is <laughs> so it is, that is Sephardic, you know, I guess. Um, but at the same time, I think it's really appropriate for something like like a filter fish. Yeah, you know, it stays stays true to to what it is. Like you know, there's jelly, but you know, some people are a little grossed out by the. I like the jelly, but some people, yeah. you know, they don't like the jelly. No, I don't like the jelly. <laughs> yeah. um, what other dishes are you going to be premiering? Uh, we're we're going to be doing a, a real slow cooked egg um, that we're gonna we're gonna serve with asparagus and a warm schmaltz vinaigrette and top it with a load of grimness, which. My mom, of course, will point out is not what she how she likes to eat. However, <laughs> you know, for this event, you know, maybe maybe she'll uh, she'll enjoy it. <laughs> no, no, can any can any anyone can jump in? Tell us what schmaltz is, and then tell us what gribness is. So gribness is fried chicken skin, and schmaltz is chicken fat, which can be utilized in many different forms to make vinaigrette or dressing or you know enhance really any any dish. 
Or what? be consumed accidentally at Sammy's, <laughs> which I've seen many people. They're like... <laughs> Those glowing yellow little <laughs> maple syrup pores. <laughs> yeah, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a That's beverage. a steak done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who don't know Sammy, Sammy's Romanian, it's a trip. Yeah. A hoot and a holler. <laughs> Go have your you know, adult bar mitzvah there if you don't. <laughs> Every day is bar mitzvah day uh, yeah, at Sammy's. Dance yeah. the horror. <laughs> Crazy. Have vodka on ice. <laughs> Nuts. Uh, a couple other dishes. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, I'm just trying to set my, uh, sate my Seder. Sure. Um, well, for you know, for the carpus, uh, where you'd be dipping parsley into salt water, uh, we're going to be taking uh, veal sweetbreads. So we're going to bread them in matzo meal and parsley. We're going to fry them. And then we're going to make a cucumber salad that, you know, we're going to... Sort of like a new pickle. So the liquid is going to come out of the cucumber, that sort of salty cucumber water. And we serve it with the cucumbers and that that salty water that comes out of cucumbers. And you'll be sort of like dipping the sweet bread into that water. A little chili oil, a little preserved lemon. Yeah. Um, and then, of, of course, you know, um, being that it is uh, mile end, you know, we're going to obviously take advantage of our smoker and uh, do... Uh, for the lamb, we're going to do... Uh, whole smoked lamb shoulders um, and serve them with Jerusalem artichoke kugel because uh, even though Jerusalem artichokes have nothing to do with Jerusalem <laughs> uh, the word people is, think they do people yeah. think they do and so like, that's really all that counts yeah you know I yeah. mean just because your name's Israel are you really related to the Jews <laughs> <laughs> no actually it's more his middle name Meyer yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually Mexican yeah. <laughs> Israel is my first name <laughs> pitcher for the Mets um <laughs> And then the last course is going to be uh, based off of of, uh, of Horoset, and uh, you know we're gonna we, we want to make little like chocolate triangles so they look like pyramids, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what well, I mean. You know, represents the mortar. We could do flourless walnut cake. Yeah. Uh, our, our our baker is uh, he's just he's really awesome because he actually has never eaten any of this stuff. He actually can make it good. Yeah. He, he he doesn't know how crappy it he's can not be. weighed down by by the. <laughs> Years of years of oppressive yeah. making, oppressive Passover. <laughs> or as oppre- Noah was telling me last week, it's not goyim. Like, but uh, your baker, uh, yeah. who we should have had on as well, and he could have brought me a whole bunch of hamantashens and yeah. rugula. Uh, you guys are exploring these traditional things, and like you said, uh, making them better. Uh, what are some of the improvements in baking? You're making your own rye bread. Yeah, we make our own rye bread, and probably. You know, one of the best rye breads I've absolutely ever eaten. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Zingerman's in Michigan makes an incredible rye bread, but I honestly haven't tasted a deli sandwich on on bread like that in a, a long time. And it was a big thing for us because we were um, we were going with ore washers, which is also an excellent bread. But um, you know, ultimately, we we were really you know, we really wanted to put our own bread out there and we think it's, you know, it's excellent and it's, it's uh, definitely an improvement for the sandwich. Um, so there's rye breads. We're doing challahs. We're doing, um, challahs are only on Fridays on Fridays. Friday yeah. Afternoon. We, we usually, you know, we'll bake off, um, a bunch of challah on Friday uh, morning. Um, but we also do all of our own, all of our own rolls. So we make like onion rolls and Kaisers and Kumuwak rolls for the beef on whack. Um, we make pretzel, which is like a long forgotten, um, kind of flatbread, garlicky, poppy, oniony flatbread, um, that we basically just convert a little challah, you know, it's a converted challah recipe. Um, and it's, you know, it has that same kind of cakey quality and it's, it's great with chopped liver, Mm. but 
you know, things like Rogelach, home on, on Purim we did, we, we do, um, we do Mandelbrot, um, just kind of like the, you know, Eastern European biscotti cookie. Um, we've brunch even, on the weekends, we take the challah and twice bake it, so soak it in maple and have a sweet treat for, for a Saturday morning. Yeah, I keep on forgetting, well, I don't forget that you have these Montreal influences, but, you know, maple. Yeah. Foie. Well, we've talked about um, foie a lot. Sure. It's just more a matter of getting it incorporated into something that we're doing. But it's it's also historically, I mean, foie gras is very, very close to, uh, you know, the historic, um, you know, Jewish roots in Eastern Europe. Um, I really think a foie gras kishka would be good. I'm, I I. It's kind of off. That was, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> and Kishka yeah, is like that's that. a heart stopper yeah. right there. <laughs> well, I mean, Kishka's already a heart stopper. Yeah, much. it's it's a, <laughs> just so the people know what Kishka is. It's um a chicken fat sausage. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just sub out the chicken fat, and we'll you know we'll use yeah. Fagra instead. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. But curds too. You serve poutine. Yep. At the restaurant. Now, being that a lot of people uh, haven't been to Mile and in uh, Montreal. Do you feel like you straddle this funny line sometimes? Because more during the day, it is attributed to, you know, that deli style. And then at night, Aaron kind of starts cooking more Ashkenazi. Um, do you like living in both those worlds? Is it hard sometimes? Or have you found, like, great amalgamations of the two things happening? We're a lot of different things to different people. So some people think of us as a bagel shop. Others, just a smoked meat place. And then there are those that appreciate the homestyle cooking that we offer in the evening. So I, I think we really enjoy the fact that we can position ourselves in, in many different ways and offer out things that are you know, unique to Montreal and then also these reinventions of some classics. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different people that come in there. You know, you get like some people, you, you get people who aren't Jewish, who are just from Montreal and they're like, we want to come in here for poutine, you know? And then you get other people who are like, you know, they're like, they've been eating at Katz's for the last 50 <laughs> years. And like, you know, they want to eat, like they want to eat the smoked meat at Mile And then you get other people who come in, they're like, um, we want to see what kind of, you know, Ashkenazi Jewish food you have. So it really like, you know, and, and I think that that's kind of cool. You know, yeah, people yeah. come in for so many different reasons. You get some people at dinner, like they don't even want to look at the menu, like two sandwiches, poutine. And yeah. then other people, you know, they look at the menu and they, they order other stuff. But it it's great that, it, you know, it appeals to a wide variety of people. So, so you want to become like those establishments like, uh, you know, Schwartz's or Wilensky's and garner this regular crowd um, and eventually you know, get to the point where someone gets a sandwich named after them, <laughs> which was a terrible segue into the Ruth Wilinski itself. Uh, a, a sandwich of what smoked beef salami, yeah. um, mustard it's, on an onion roll. Yeah. And it's that we press yeah, that you press. Fresh yeah. and pressed. Delicious. But it's, it's a so tribute. simple. It's like the, I mean, aside from making the salami. Yeah. Once you've made the salami, <laughs> it's pretty much like, yeah, the easiest sandwich to make. But it's a tribute to Ruth at Walensky. It's a tribute to Walensky's and the fact that it's um, it's been run by, you know, um, a woman well past that that point in most people's lives that would you know most people by her age are sitting in Florida, um, staring at the water, and she's in Montreal in the middle of the winter, you know, running a sandwich shop. And that's, um, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
yeah, it's um, it's a tribute to the sandwich that is, you know, that is their namesake and and uh, the person who makes it possible for for me to go there and get that sandwich. Yeah, and do you feel like you have items on your menu that will be Ruth Walensky's to somebody else? We hope so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. smoke meat will always be smoke meat. So yeah, you know, we, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's a funny thing, like what you were what you said before about. You know, like straddling that line, and you know, like Jewish food has evolved so much, you know, over the years, where wherever like Jewish people have settled and they've like incorporated, um, you know, incorporated the local traditions into what they do. So you know, right? You know, poutine is 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 a Montreal thing, but like, and who's to say that you know, in you know, a hundred years, people Jewish people won't be like poutine's a Jewish dish, you yeah. know, like, and but it starts somewhere, you know. So so why, so why not? Yeah. You know? I th- um. <laughs> that would be so funny if the if that actually happened one day. It's like the French Canadians are like, "How did this happen?" <laughs> Taken away. It's like les Juifs. <laughs> that, that's actually helping my um, you know multinational appeal by the more international language spoken on this show. Should, we should just conduct a whole show in French. You get like uh, federal grant money for uh, diversity and multiculturalism. I, <laughs> I was about to say we have a room full of Jews. I mean, it's not really helping the fact as much. Yeah. Um, I don't want to not mention Christmas, which seems a little odd to mention Christmas uh, for uh, Montreal Jewish Deli. But this past Christmas was a very special one in what was cooked Christmas night. Sure, sure. Uh, Chinese food, absolutely yeah. traditional Jewish Christmas. Tradition. Yeah, totally traditional. Yeah. Did you show a movie? As well? We 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 wish we could have, but we we uh, we're not technologically yeah. <laughs> too small. Um, yeah, you know, we're suited too for small. It. But we're very close to BAM, so a lot of people headed over there afterwards. Awesome, awesome. For, and for those of you that don't know, why Chinese food on Christmas? Uh, well, the, well, <laughs> it's the only places that are open. Yeah, <laughs> and Jews have nothing to do on Christmas. Um, but there's a really long history, I think, of of Jewish people eating Chinese food um, for so for so many reasons. Um, I, I mean, I, it's like it's safe trife, you know. And I think, you know, I grew up eating. I grew up eating Chinese food with my family. I know Noah uh, as well. You know, you, you. Yeah, it's it's just as much a part of my uh, experience as a as a Jew in Montreal as uh, going to Schwartz's. Yeah. yeah, and and so so why not? You know, why not cook Chinese food on Christmas? I mean, if Jewish people are going to go out and and eat it, why not? Be the ones cooking it, and you know we try to take a, a sort of a, a lighthearted approach to it, but also cook like you know cook serious food. Like we took it took it very you know very seriously, uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was something I think it was something. It's funny because when we talked about it, you know Noah brought it up to me, and I kind of brought. It, I think I think we kind of brought it up to each other like at the same time. It was like something we always wanted to do. Yeah, and this the response was just totally overwhelming. I mean, we got booked up immediately, yeah. and there was a waiting list, and you know, people just really enjoyed themselves, which was so great to see. Excellent, and we're hoping that this might be a more reoccurring thing, other than just once a year. Yeah, yeah, we've been talking about it. I think it we, we think it would be pretty cool. You know, you know, traditionally, you know, Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday yeah. night, you know, maybe Sunday night's a, you know, it's a big. Uh, it's a big Chinese food night. Yeah. Um, Smoked meat fried rice. Yeah. It's delicious. I mean, the thing is, ultimately, yeah. it's you know, it, it took a lot of... I mean, what we realize, it does take a lot of work to completely 
change the the thing that you do on a regular basis. So yeah, more often, perhaps um, consistent yeah. and predictable, <laughs> perhaps less so. And you have a tentative name called Safe Trife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's just great, great food. Yeah. <laughs> great chinese food so everyone catch the wave not that the jews haven't been around for thousands upon thousands of years but check out montreal's jewish deli in brooklyn mile and brooklyn.com is that correct mile and brooklyn.com mile and brooklyn.com and uh noah ray aaron thank you happy thank seder you. Happy yeah, thank you thank you yeah yeah um, easy leavening yeah <laughs> unleavening easy yeah. unleavening <laughs> <laughs> next time you sit at your dinner table maybe use a pillow <laughs> drink uh, four just, glasses of wine yeah manischewitz with a pickleback <laughs> all good ideas oh, that's a great one <laughs> you've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.com i'm your host michael harlan turkel thanks to jack insley our engineer uh Whole Foods for sponsoring and hope to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. The Snacky Tunes compilation has arrived and is available for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com. This compilation features live performances from some of the hottest acts around today, including Midnight Magic, Surfer Blood, Oberhofer, and more. Again, you can download this compilation for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com, and make sure to listen to Snacky Tunes every Monday at 2 p.m. on Heritage Radio Network. following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your fairway honey today.